Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. I'm Josh, and joining me is... This is Donovan. And this is Stella. And Donovan and Stella are also part of the Batman Universe podcast network. Check out the BatmanUniverse.net for many other great Batman podcasts. Tonight we're going to be covering the episode Penguin's Umbrella. And, you know, spoiler alert, I think it was the best one of the series so far. But Don and Stella, what were your initial thoughts uh, watching the episode? Um, I was very impressed with this. This is a really good story. (laughs) Uh, I think that, like, having rewatched it again, um, it definitely has a claim to be a contender for the best episode ever. Uh, It's it's at least as good as the pilot, I think. Although, um, because it builds so much upon the pilot, it's an interesting thing to kind of compare. But uh, in terms of enjoyment... Between like you know that that initial shock of the first episode, and them developing what they put in the first episode now, um, <clears throat> I think I think right now I'm, I'm about it's about equal to the pilot, but I mean that, that's that's a very good sign. It's very very good. I I, uh, I really enjoyed it from like top to bottom, and uh, I look forward to talking about it because it was pretty kick ass. Well, the fish returned, and I was wondering how this would shift what I really enjoyed from last episode because I, I feel like we were able to simplify things to a certain extent by getting rid of one of the tertiary storylines and in that way I think just things came together better and they were more solid however fish appears and I think the reason why this episode is so good which I thought uh, you know I just talked to my parents and uh, I was telling them you know what I do on my Tuesdays, right? So this was going to happen. And (laughs) my mom said, oh, well, your father and I are just about to sit down and watch it now. And I said, well, mom, this is probably the best episode yet. And and I thought the same thing about the previous episode. So now we're getting to a point where I hope that we're not disappointed because it just keeps getting better and better. And so I thought to myself as I was swimming today, because I sometimes like to mull things over as I'm underwater, uh, I was thinking, you know, what is it that made it so different with the inclusion of, of fish, why was it so solid? And my opinion uh, or my thought is the fact that everything was revolving around or connected to uh, on the same story. It was all in the same story. It wasn't fish having her own little motives that kind of related. It was everyone all about Penguin, him being that linchpin. And because everything was so solid and tight together, it worked so well. And I, I do really believe that this has been uh, the best episode, and, and I think even even better than the pilot, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, kudos, right. kudos there. Sure. I, I definitely agree that this was better than the pilot, and it is funny because, like Stella, I thought that last week, you know, might have been the best episode yet. Right. And then yeah. This episode. This one just blew last week's out of the water. And, you know, for the continuing um, saga of how the show is watched, uh, this was a jam week. So I did get to watch it on the mm-hmm. treadmill. And uh, watching it live was an interesting experience, you know, mm-hmm. and made those commercials unbearable. And oh, true. Yeah. Uh, really so- glad I wasn't in spoiled. And uh, uh, I-, I was texting Don because he was watching it live, too. And 
we were freaking out, you know, during that last act and like, you know, just like trying to guess like, you know, oh, Falcone's lying, Falcone's lying. He doesn't have Barbara or I don't know if he's lying or not. There she is. And I'm like, oh, Penguin's coming to talk to Falcone. What's going to happen now? And then just no, like. And I looked back at those texts today, and it was just like a series of, no, it can't be, no, in big letters. It's all been a lie all along. So this episode, you know, in terms of not only doing one plot line and being exciting, it did mess with our heads, and it made us go back and, you know, relook at a lot of previous characters, and a lot of things were in play. Uh, this was very good. So before we hit up, um, you know, different aspects and different questions and thoughts on the show, uh, the brief recap is um, Penguin now decides to throw caution into the wind and walk the streets, you know, of Gotham. And it only takes three seconds in the episode for Fish Mooney to realize that he's alive. <laughs> like, he's alive! I know, like, they don't even, like, fade the scene out. Like, he's walking in and you just stare, he's alive! Like, um, So the gang war that's been, you know, promised every single recap, you know, does briefly happen. Because uh, Falcone and Fish want them to hand Penguin over, but Roni knows that he's got a golden goose on his hands. Honk, honk. Eventually, they yeah. Eventually, they make a deal. But Gordon, knowing that you know he's on his last days, sends Barbara away and tries to see if, in a blaze of glory, he can arrest um, the mayor, Falcone, and Harvey. You know, drunkenly decides to help him, but not before you know doing a going away present on Barbara Keene's bed, no less. Um, I was going to bring it up. I was not going to Yeah. Oh, that's one of the questions that I have on here <laughs> that we're going to go over. Trust me. If we must. Um, unfortunately, Barbara Keene came back and is now a hostage, or maybe, or maybe fortunately. We'll talk about that when we get to the um, questions part. So uh, Gordon backs down, and Falcone decides to let them go. And later on, we find out that Falcone and Penguin have been working together ever since the pilot and that it was Penguin's idea to have Jim Gordon be the one to kill him because he knew he wouldn't go through with it. So where does this lead us? Um, well, let's get to some of the questions. First of all, question one, what was the deal with Carmine Falcone's chickens? Because that – I feel like that's supposed to be important or meaning something because – Fish points it out, and we see him, like, petting the birds. Like, it, And there's no reason for him to be doing that. I, I, I don't know. Do you think that that means something? Um, I rewatched it before we started recording, and I don't know. I don't remember there anything being mentioned in the previous episodes. I don't remember that being ever a thing in the comics. I think this is, like, this is some sort of, like, like, weird mafia thing where, like, you know – the mob, the mobsters always have their kind of like strange sort of hobbies, like horticulture or lepidopsy, or, or you know, the kind, of, the, kind of, the kind of things that make you they make them seem like a nice guy who likes certain things, aside from you know running uh, the mafia. So it just seemed like a weird, a weird like old timey mob guy kind of thing. Like, oh, I love my chickens. This is a beautiful bird, and um, I don't think there was more of a point to that. If there was some sort of subtle foreshadowing, mm, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, so. I think there's something perhaps at least related to the penguin, right? Because penguin is, of course, he's related to a golden goose. So I think there is some sort of like foul, <laughs> foul humor <laughs> there. So, it, yeah, it was obviously a foul. And I think it was just connecting everything. Like we've got, you know, these these birds here. What he's doing with them, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a detail that should not be overlooked. Perhaps there is something uh, – um, regarding them that you know 
we'll, we'll see as it happens. Um, perhaps it's a way to take down um, Malroney's, uh, I don't know. I mean, Malroney Ooh. obviously runs a, an Italian restaurant, right? Yeah. So could he somehow use these chickens and, and maybe poison them or something? And <laughs> I was just thinking that as Stella was saying. That's it. funny. Yeah, so, like, and of course, I think the big thing is the fact that he he has no concern at all for what is going on, and that's why Fish points it out, and I think that's why it's so important that he's taking care of them. You know, all of this crazy stuff is going on. His empire could be, you know, on the brink. It, it, he's threatened right now, but it doesn't seem like he's threatened. What's going on? And I think that's why it's very pivotal. You know, you see him with the chickens. He's very calm. He's very calm. At the end, he's with the chickens when Cobblepot comes around and that everything is revealed. And then you realize, well, this was all planned. And that's why he's been so calm. So I think it's just like a, a way, like a plot device that, that is able to connect everything together. But but I think there probably could be something more um, that they'll be used for. But I think for right now, it's just a device. When I was watching the episode, and it looked like, you know, like they were going to pull this off, they were going to arrest, you know, Falcone and the mayor. And I love, I love the mayor during that whole scene, you know. Like, okay, I'm out, you know. Like, <laughs> they're all looking at each other. Yeah, we'll die in a blaze of glory. And the mayor's just, oh, God. Uh, um, yeah, he is like that. So I was frustrated to learn that Barbara Keene had come back and, in my mind, ruined their plan. And I was like, oh, you know, if she hadn't come back, they would have arrested. But then I'm remembering now uh, something that they kept on saying, which is if you do this, you know, you won't be able to even, like, leave the driveway alive. Like, you'll be shot. Um, if you try and pull this off. So now I'm wondering, even though Penguin gave the order, well, not the order, asked the favor, don't kill Jim Gordon, had Barbara Keene stayed in, I'm going to guess Chicago, because, you know, that's where the Gordons always go, the like flee. But, you know, so in my canon, it's Chicago. If Barbara Keene had not come back from Chicago, would um, would Gordon and Bullock be dead right now? Would they have gone through with this and then gotten themselves killed? Did Barbara Keene actually save them? By returning, you know, um, I remember talking about you, talking to you about that last night, saying, "Oh, if it wasn't for her, they'd totally be dead." You and I was watching it again, and I'm and I'm trying to think and kind of process the information as to he seems to spare their lives because of Penguin more so than Barbara. I mean, I'm not sure what exactly she does. He spared their lives because he had the upper hand. He, he wouldn't still, have had the upper hand. Any- I mean, he had, I mean, he, 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 would he not have had the upper hand if she didn't come back anyway? They would have, they would have arrested him. Well, they would have died. I imagine. I mean, I, I would imagine like they would have like like, like sleeper agents somewhere in, in like in the. I, I guess, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, they still would have made the papers trying to take him down. But but that's what I mean. Like, had Barbara not been there, and they would have gone ahead with this, would they be dead? Which you know, it's funny because ba- the whole purpose of Barbara coming back was to plead for his life, and in a roundabout way, maybe she's just succeeded just not in the way that she intended to i think they would go out certainly in a blaze of glory and that was what that whole scene was about where he went to wayne manor he was basically like setting up almost his will and testament that once he was gone the good fight would continue on at least through uh, renee montoya and crispus allen and and talking to bruce and and even alfred and everything so i think he realized that this could be the end for him and even bullock said you know might as well go out as a good guy so they were going in all intents and purposes that they were going to die for this so i, I 
think perhaps they would have, but who knows if they would have taken out uh, Falcone before they died. I don't know if I just uh, well, that's the fair point. I'm just not sure if I agree with the whole. If it wasn't for Barbara Keane, you know, they would never walk out of there alive. I'm not. I'm trying to follow, follow that line of logic. Well, because they they kept a, that that was the, what the narrative kept on telling us, like what Essen was telling him, and what even Falcone was saying, like you're not going to make it out of this driveway. But um, like all she does says, can you spare Jim's life? He could just say no. I mean, he had her, he had her captive anyway. Well, it wasn't because of what Barbara said. It's because of Barbara's presence there. Jim backed down. Had Barbara not been there, Jim wouldn't have backed down. Have backed down. He would have therefore been killed. But if 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 Jim didn't back down either way, I mean, like, would that defeat Falcone once and for all? It, it wouldn't have. That that's what that's the question I'm asking. Like, you know. Would he have? It may have hurt, but I'm not sure if it would have done like like long term damage. I didn't get the sense that like suicide. I would. I didn't get the sense that like they were going there to like you know, end like the whole Falcone like you know bloodline of 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 crime doings. (laughs) Um, But like they were going, they were at least like you know just try to make a dent in it. And I don't know if like like what they're going to do was was going to really, you know make a serious dent in the uh, mafia in Gotham City, but it was probably I guess it was more convenient to let him live and kind of forget the whole thing ever happened, but um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if like if like Barbara's intervention made that enormous of a difference to me it's even more like it came from the Penguin I think it made a really, well, I think you're misunderstanding what I mean by her intervention making the difference, it's not the fact that she pleaded for his it's the fact that she was there and for her being there, it made Jim back down and had she not been there, he would have had no reason to back down, and that would have caused him to die. Like they, they would have come in guns a blazing, and like you know, like less talk and more shooting. Well, the moment when like they're about to have him out the door, and Falcone says, "What if I would tell you that I have a knife to Barbara King's throat?" If Falcone had not said that, how would the scene have ended instead? Bucka bucka bucka. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. I'll probably, probably listen back to this and understand what you're saying more. I just might be kind of just rattled right now, but um. it's a rattling episode. Yeah. And on the subject of Falcone, now that we know that he's been in on this for a while, like how much does he know? And um, does he know that his um, you know new maid cook girlfriend you know is a fish? Uh, is a fish. <laughs> is a fish plant. I think. Plant. I think at this point, this kind of this whole. This episode, at least the last episode, the last few minutes of the episode, paints Falcone in a whole different, and I would say arguably better light, or the best light, because at this point, I'm not sure if there's anything that he wouldn't know about the other mobsters, about Maroni or about Fish Fish Mooney. Um, I mean, like like they say, like she says uh, to Nikolai in an earlier scene, oh, he's not all he all he does has her do is cooking clean. He's not even touched her. So I imagine, like you know, he's he's kind of like playing her and not really like you know indulging in any sort of like you know intimate trap that she might have for him because he knows what she's up to. And I mean, I think that like 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 pretty much as long as if the penguin knows something, then Falcone potentially knows something. And when it comes to like you know. The other gangsters, Falcone's still on top in terms, of, like you know, like the like the IQ game. Like, like he knows more than the, like he's two sets ahead of everybody, and then they can't really participate against him because they think he's so weak and so old and so useless. I was agreeing with Fish up until the last few minutes of the episode. Like when Falcone's like, "I'm going to let you guys live because um, 
because you believe me yeah because tv she's like i was frustrated i was like that's the best excuse they could come up with and i i think i texted to don like fish is right falcone is a weak old man like why'd he do that but then you know now we know why but his treatment of um his girlfriend is hilarious to me like he's like yeah, I know she's a spy. So instead of you know taking, inv- I'm just going to take advantage of it and have her cook and clean for me. <laughs> <laughs> and and Fish says he just watches her do it. And like now we know he's probably getting some sick satisfaction like watching her do it. Like, <laughs> well he's he's set up like in this like like idyllic like heavenly style like a uh, uh, kitchen. It's pearly white, and she's dressed like you know, really nice with pearls and stuff. Like she's June Cleaver, and make baking <laughs> exactly like I mean, nice like 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 easy bake oven cookies and stuff. I mean, it's a pretty awesome setup for a monster. I, I must admit, that's that's pretty awesome. And he's like, in that last scene, he's you know, she's like, okay, your recipe worked, you know, better this time. Like he's like giving her like stuff to cook and like making her do it over if like it's wrong. Well, I mean, um. I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but I know, like there's a shot in, in like the preview of the next episode where like you see a uh, you know uh, M- Fish's weapon hold a vial of some sort of liquid. So I'm wondering like you know if if like that's her attempt. It's like, Viper. Ugh, that'd be not, that'd be not, that'd be a sight. Falcone with with venom. Uh, I'm wondering if they're trying to make a play like you know she's going to poison his pizza or something or. Uh, <laughs> he's not Moroni. I don't think he eats pizza. Oh, well, I, 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 either that or do the whole like Gone Girl thing, like you know, like in an intimate setting and try to cut his throat. But um, I like the, I, I do like the idea that like he knows more about it than because up, up to this point, I I didn't see much value in the character. Like he was he was pretty much like the friendliest gangster you ever saw. Like you know, oh, this is a clearly a misunderstanding. We're not going to hurt these people. We're not going to do anything. You know, oh, you can have this. Thing. Oh, we can let Penguin live. Like he pretty much went along with everything. So I like the fact the idea that like he's doing it all just because they're all still like you know basically under his boots without them knowing without each of them knowing. Which means that there's probably something up with Indian Hills because. Yes. Penguin's the one that suggests Indian Hills, and because Falcone and Penguin are working together, then they must have discussed this beforehand, so there must be something about Indian Hills that he wants. Another thing that I picked up on now is um, if Falcone knows that you know uh, Fish and Nikolai were you know being exercise partners, even though that wasn't an established thing until like two episodes ago or so, but like if he's known about that since the pilot, do you remember what he what he says to Fish in the second episode? Uh, something foreboding. <laughs> he asks um, if she's been intimate with anyone. Wait, Falcone asked that to fish? Yeah, when he comes to their bar, he's like, oh, are you dating anyone? Or, you know, how's your lover? He but says, that was when she was dating. Do you La- think she right. was double dipping? Uh, Laszlo? Well, uh, it's been going on since the pilot, according to Penguin. Well, that's true, yeah. He, he, like, he says in that flashback, like uh, your boy, the Russian and uh, Fish Mooney are sleeping together. He he says they're lovers, right? And and that is exactly what Falcone says to Fish in the second episode. How's your lover? And and then that's why she counters with, "If you mean my exercise partner." <laughs> I don't know. She always talks like her with a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean my exercise partner? <laughs> She's not like droning. But like, <laughs> dude, Falcone. That means that like. I don't think – I mean unless that this is pure coincidence, that means that like whoever wrote the second episode like planned that and Falcone was messing with her even back then because Penguin says she's lovers with Nikolai. Well, no, yeah, so I don't think that like – He comes in and says, how's your lover? I don't think just to like see how she reacts. 
I don't think this is late in the game writing that they that they retcon the whole story. I think this is planned since the beginning because because he was so he was so agreeable in every single thing he was in. Now it makes it, it makes it makes it makes more sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Was it, yeah. So I think that like that, that kind of goes back to that. So it's it's just interesting, like everything that's been happening. It's it's like the Emperor from Star Wars. Everything has proceeded exactly as Cyprus. Which I love that part where, like, after the flashback, Falcon looks at Penguin and says, "Son of a parent, it happened exactly as you said it would." <laughs> I know, right? I, I I can we talk about the fact that like Penguin hinged his entire like like at the last minute because I guess he had nothing to lose, but like the fact that he said just meeting Gordon once. I'm pretty sure this guy's going to let me live, and if he lets me live, I can be in your pocket forever. Like I thought, I thought that was a really awesome thing for that character to do, which kind of like you know, he was already like because Gordon tried to stop him, um, tried to stop that guy from getting beat up. In oh the yeah, pilot. that's right. I saw the pilot once. I know it, it's uh, you have to like you almost have to rewatch, um, like t- to see like certain things. But one thing I always remember is when. You know, Gordon says, never come back to Gotham before shooting Penguin. Penguin has, like, a, a kind of a smile on his face. And, and at the time, you're like, yeah, he's smiling because he's not going to die. But now that smile's a double meaning, like, I knew it. Well, I mean, um, at, at this point, I'm so wondering, like, Ping, Penguin and Falcone are, like, you know, <laughs> like, 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 they're so above everybody else. I'm, I'm wondering if one of them knows who the, uh, the killer of the Wings is the, or the identity, the identity of the Wings killer. Because I mean, at this point, like, like I'm not sure what what penguin did it. <laughs> that is it possible? <laughs> um, I don't think so. But like, because we heard the guy's voice. I don't, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Give me your pearls, Hong Kong. <laughs> and he didn't like you know he didn't ping walk all, all over to crime. But, but he doesn't ping walk until um, Fish beats him with the baseball bat. I think. Okie dokie. Well, do they? I feel bad. I really, I truly don't remember like the sequence of events. Like, did they call him Penguin before then? Oh yeah, they, they always called him because he's like, "I told you not to call me that." But I think he didn't start walking, you know, funny until Fish gave him that beating in the he pilot. Really, he really like, like, like walks that way in this episode, like all the time. I don't think I, I noticed it too much until this episode. That like, like this because the episode starts off with him like you know, cock of the walk down the sidewalk, just kind of like sidestepping, shuffling. <laughs> he's alive. He's alive! I, I, I didn't know that was her at first because, like, her voice sounds different. The uh, the, the indignation that Oswald Coppola lives again. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I really, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like, said I was talking about the fact that like Fish's inclusion kind of like put in the question: Will it be as focused as the last episode? But like, um, no, Fish like, was needed here. Yeah, like, like I mean, like I, it, it goes without saying is the whole why the whole conspiracy started in the first place because she wanted him dead. So. um well, and Fish is losing control this episode because, like, Nikolai's dead, which is a big part of her plan. Her is not really giving a little one. I mean, of that, she Falcone's not letting her like start this war. She's trying to go to Moroni. They like nothing's coming. Kind of Penguin back, and Moroni won't do it. Um, you know, the, her trying to get Oswald killed in the first place didn't work. You know, from the pilot, like. This is like the most out of control that you've ever seen her. Like nothing is is going her way. Yeah, I was thinking at this point that like, is there anything that she's in, in control of? I mean, like, truly, like, I mean, her first of all, she's emotionally like just utterly distraught, and like, you know, like she she can't control her anger. She's always like wanting to kill Penguin, which you know, I know that I know why she does, but like, uh, it feels as though like she's so she's always talking about how weak and old Falcone is. 
uh, you know, he's always weak. He's, he needs to be like overthrown. But she seems to be like like it's almost like this whole thing is bigger than she is. Like she can't really can't get control over certain things. She's not the smarter. She's not being out. She's being outsmarted left and right. I'm wondering like you know how long the honestly how how long the character's going to last in the show if she can't get ahead of a few, few people. I mean, I, I don't really think there was a shift in Falcone's power, um, perhaps in his character. If you thought that he was a weak character, I think you were very um, mistaken, obviously. And I, I still think that scene in the park when that girl walks up is, is super weird. And yeah. but perhaps it was – I don't know if Penguin knew that detail, to be honest. Um, I, I that think one's that, still unclear. Yeah, because Penguin was not around at that point when she's like trying to figure out how – you know, the, the beatdown of that girlfriend and stuff I feel like happened post-Penguin leaving Gotham. So I think details about that haven't been revealed, but I think that – we shouldn't think that uh, Falcone is naive enough to to take this girl as she is. Uh, I think she he's got to take her literally, you know, with a grain of salt. At the same time, I think even though it is very strange, you know, he's watching her be Betty Homemaker. Um, obviously, there's a connection to his past wife, and I think he's got her in a very good position right now. Where if if we are, you know, giving his intelligence due, uh, that. He knows where she is, and he's pretending to let her use him uh, to a certain extent. But I'm also a little wary that uh, because there is a likeness, I think, to his his deceased wife, that there may be a part where it, it, there's going to be some lines that are blurred, where he he may his emotions may in fact get a little bit involved. But but I do think something's going to go down. In the in the future, with her somehow, uh, she's going to play some some bigger role. But but I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if if he knew all about it. As for Penguin, uh, I love that scene where he's waddling down the street and and he's got some bodyguards and they actually like push someone out of the way. And uh, it's great for him because he would have been the person pushed out of the way. And so now he's the person that's pushing and and he's good point. I think, you know, I I just, I don't know, I even though he's a villain, and oftentimes, you know, I know people say about, you know, you love to hate him, but, you know, I think back to Alias, I hated Sloan, I didn't love to hate him, Lost, I hated Ben, I didn't love to hate him, so, you know, it, Penguin, I love him, I, I think he's just amazing, the actor is amazing, and I love, I just, each, really, each week I tune in, it's it's because I want to see what Penguin is up to. And and all of the stuff that he's doing, and and I think this is just a, I don't know, it's a it's a great penguin show, and and I think that <laughs> it, it was a great, I don't know, it was a huge risk, I think, to to put penguin at the forefront. They have done they have done such a great job with it. Uh, so the rise of penguin, yeah, I love seeing it. I love that you know everything was turned on its head just in that in those last moments, and it's completely realistic. It's not like what in the world that that's dumb. It's like, oh my gosh, that is so shocking. I'm so like interested in, you know, what's gonna go down. So yeah, and, and I like, you know, the fact that he was beat, you know, is it is I think part of the problem of his leg. But what I really like about it is the fact that he couldn't logically or realistically go to any hospital because he would have checked in and probably someone would have noticed who he was, either inside or outside of Gotham. So just mm-hmm. the fact that 
his leg was messed up pretty badly, and it just healed that way. Because he could have potentially gone somewhere, get fixed up, and then walk regularly. But I think that wasn't, you know, number one, he could have been playing it safe and not going to any hospital. But number two, that was not his mission at all. So, I mean, his he was all, I think he's always been focused on what he needs to do, and so that has just not been a focus for him. But, but I just kind of like that detail, uh, just thinking about why he still has that limp. Well, I mean, um, this this episode really made me like realize like this is why Penguin's going to be a big deal when Batman's around, like because like, he's 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 smart and like he's fiendish, but he's also very quirky and weird and like I can still see like the, the youth of the character kind of getting in the way of like you know his full potential, but you know you can figure that he'll grow out of that. Um, can we talk about that scene where he gets his get back on that uh, Frankie dude? Yeah. And uh, and th- and that's the thing about this show that even though you know he is this mastermind and everything, um, he still has his awkward moments like honking at Maroni or you know <laughs> kiss kissing someone as he murders them as the henchmen look on. Like so, I like that even though you know he's displaying you know Bruce Wayne or Heisenberg levels of masterminding. It's uh, <laughs> he still has his socially awkward criminal moments, but you almost have to go back and. Uh, like, look at the previous episodes and wonder, like, how much of what he did was by accident and, and how much was on purpose. The kiss of death, that was that was interesting, but that's what he does. Anyone who um, who gets in who gets in his way or, like, poses a threat to him, I mean, t- he'll take care of him. Well, that's, I, yeah, like, like uh, he takes a shot in the, in the stomach, but, like, he, he you know, he outsmarts him by, by paying off the other, his other henchmen. And he just gives this monologue, and it's, I feel it's like totally sincere. Like I don't think I think that like he, I, the mark of a good actor is like you know you make yourself believe you're in that character or you react in that situation as much as you could in real life. And I think that like you know, both for Robin Taylor Lord, without you know delving too much into his mindset, and like the character of the Penguin, you know when he when he when he kills Frankly Frankie, I have to imagine like you know he's like legitimately telling him what he believes. Like you know you. You're you're a skin flint, like you know. You legitimately care too much about money. Like this, that, that's not him. Like you know, trying to play placate to like the guys or whatever, or try, kind of like preen or put on airs. That's like you know a certain mindset that he wants people to believe. Like he really believes that, and he like I mean at one point I thought that he was going to start crying for a minute because he was so emotional, but he was kind of falling over so himself. Weird. <laughs> it was weird, but it was really yeah. great. It was it was really it was like. Damn! That might, honestly, that might that might be my favorite scene in the, in the show because it was so like as you're watching watching it happen, you didn't know what, what was going to happen, which ended in like you know the kiss <laughs> where the henchman the henchman kind of like <laughs> he's paying us more. Just remember that. Yeah, no, I, I, I uh, how how was this show turned into like the Penguin show? Like, I mean, did they? Say like before it was coming out that like I thought from the, the pilot that it was going to be like the Bullock and Gordon show and like Bullock trying the I mean Gordon trying to get Bullock to you know to put behind his dirty cop ways and become a good guy. Yeah, and that's that's almost like the B plot now, <laughs> <laughs> or the C plot. Like truth be told, like it's taken like a way back seat. Like like aside from Spirit of the Goat, like we have not had a lot of you know like episodes centered on Bullock. You know, he's just like. He's almost like the comic relief sidekick, or like the you know Watsons and Gordon's, you know Holmes. Well, I think that like this episode also kind of it was this episode was well centered on um, the Gordon Bullock dynamic. Um, Stella, did this episode change your opinion of Sarah Essen at all? No, I mean it's been 
I haven't really had much of an opinion of her. Um, she's just a character there. I, you know, like I said, she's, I think in the previous episode, she's been, she's playing the game. She knows what game she's got to play. And, uh, you know, she's on the right and the wrong side of the law. And that's just how she's got to do it in Gotham right now. And perhaps it's not the way we should expect, but not everyone can be Jim Gordon. And, uh, I do like the fact that today at least she like kind of, or this episode, at least she, was outspoken in the fact that she realizes what she's been doing and, and she's doing the best she can and she has a family and things like that. But uh, it doesn't really change what I think of her. So, Well, I mean, I don't have like better things. I don't like Bar- uh, Essen in, in this. I said Barbara King again. Essen in this, in this series. I mean, as a character for the show, it's fine, I suppose. But like, and this, you know, this is, this is my weakness. I can't really do Batman podcasts anymore because all, all I do is whine about the stuff I like and the stuff I don't like. Because, like, I mean, like, like um, for the character in the show, I guess suppose it works fine that, like, you know, she's not two-dimensional. She would like to change things, but she doesn't feel that she's in a position to do so. But I, I don't like the fact that, like, if compared to, like, where the character came from in the comics... I don't remember, I don't remember Sir Essen being in a position to fight corruption, necessarily, besides just being Gordon's partner... But to see, like, a very strong-willed, very, like, you know, proactive character be this kind of, like, muley, like, you know, no one will stand with you, Gordon, I won't stand with you, that's kind of, that sucks. And I don't, I don't like seeing that. I'm not saying, like, you know, uh, it's, it's their show, they can do what they want, but I, I, I didn't like that at all. And, like, her saying that, like, she has a family or that she would like things to be better didn't really change the fact because, like, you know... Actions are better than words, I suppose. Uh, I was very disappointed in the second episode to learn that she was, you know, just another corrupt person, you know, in the cogwheel that was the Gotham City government and police force. So this episode, because we got to see what was in her head a little more and we got to see some regret over that and some humanity and even her like, you know, trying to stop Gordon because, you know, we saw her show some concern for him. And her saying that she wanted change, but you could tell that she feels powerless to do anything about it. And even that moment, you know, like, she was going to stand with him against Mr. Zaz. He had to tell her, like, twice to get out of there. You know, he was – this is the first time in the series that I could imagine, like, this version of Essen and this version of Gordon winding up together. And I was was not able to – I was not able to imagine that before this episode. Um, it just like I couldn't see her ending up him Gordon ending up with the woman from episode two. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm just not right there. I'm not there with you because like, was, well, it, it's going to take some more character development, but like I could see her it eventually happening now. I don't not that that's the direction that this show is going to go in. You know, cut to next episode where they're like you know making out on the um, police. Well, see, at first floor. I thought that, like, you know, at least with the initial episodes, there was nothing to necessarily preclude them, like, you know, just having some sort of affair. But now it's like, I think they're just going to stick with the whole, like, you know, Gordon Barber romance and kind of just use Sarah S. as window, dro- oh, yeah. window dressing. But I could see these characters, like, you know, it, if I could imagine these characters getting together now and I wasn't able to do that before. Um, so, but speaking of standing against Mr. Zaz, we met him this episode, and how did we feel about that? Uh, he's actually, like, uh, played by a guy who was a, a who, who played a villain, uh, on the Flash series, I think it was episode three. I, I don't know if the character was called the Mist, I know that he had, like, Misty powers, he kind of turned into Falcon, some such things. I, personally, 
I'm I'm a fan of this vicious ass character. I know that he's sort of a product of, of 1990s Batman villainy, villainy, and like they're all kind of like these serial killers from one extent or another. But I've always really liked Mr. Zaz as a character. I kind of missed him. Uh, so like in this instance, at first he kind of seemed like you know just a kind of a crazy guy who was using the name Mr. Zaz. But like I gotta say, once he started doing the edges on his skin, that was that was that was cool. <laughs> I like that. It's quite awesome. So uh, I, I think I think I think the guy acting him did well for what he was given, and um, I for the most part I, I enjoyed how they used him. I, li- I liked how like uh, when Falcone says okay let him go, uh, Zaz is like wait what? Like he really wanted to do some killing done, but um, yeah I, I, overall I enjoyed him. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the pilot of the Flash that you're talking. No about? no no he was like in episode three he like do like the whole poison gas thing. Oh, the poison gas. Oh, I thought because okay, because you've got the the dust and everything in the. Um, what did I think of him? Um, I had some issues with him, uh, mainly because I never see Zaz as uh, being a crony or a go-to guy or a hired person uh, that is working with other people. Because whenever anyone tries to work with this guy, it usually works well for the first five minutes, and then something goes terribly wrong. So to see him in a suit, leading with uh, these kind of punk rockers, uh, women with him, and all of this stuff, uh, it was a little bizarre. And even if I, I was trying to separate my mind and think, okay, well, maybe this is his origin story, and maybe he turns That's out what I tell myself to do this normal thing. But it still doesn't I, – I still don't think – there's like a disconnect between going from that to who he is. Uh, the killing is one thing, but, I mean, there's a character in Sons of Anarchy that whenever he uh, he kills somebody, he – puts another little smiley face. He tattoos a smiley face on his body. His name's Happy. Um, he's a good guy, actually. Would you want to believe it? Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's uh, I don't know. It seemed like Zaz's twin brother, maybe, that decided to go the route of uh, being a hired killer rather than the one that just, there's no rhyme or reason to whom he is killing. But there is for this one. So... That, that kind of bothered me. It was interesting to see him and, you know, the marks, and he said 28, and you thought, wow, he's not very far, is he? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was good, but like I said, had some problems with that uh, that part. I think it was just too different for you to kind of get, get to like him? I just don't think it um, – I don't think it was realistic that he would be in that sort of position. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you know, it's it's clear it's not the exact character from the comics. I mean, it just isn't. He's the character in the comics, uh, Mister Zaz. For those who don't know, is like an unrepentant, like like homicidal maniac. He's a total serial killer in the truest sense. And this one's basically like a henchman. I guess, like I don't know, like, like that's the sort of thing. Like you know, like like uh, right away you have to kind of just either accept or just kind of like write off. And um, I think I think it was it, it, was, it was it was weird for me when he was in the suits in the promos. But I, I could see kind of, you know, what Stella's original theory, you know, that's kind of what I go along the lines of, that this is earlier in his life and career. And, you know, because he enjoys killing people so much and you get a sense of that here when he's disappointed that he can't go through with it. Like he has those homicidal tendencies, but right now he's trying to, you know, like, well, I enjoy murdering people, so I'm going to at least try and make a profit out of it. And maybe eventually down the line, he just becomes unhinged enough that he decides, you know, screw it. I'm just going to kill who I want when I want because I'm Zaz and I like killing. 
But at this point now, he's he, he's trying to make a profit out of it at least. One thing I didn't like uh, this was this I think went to the went to uh, the going away from the character a bit. It's like his two like Bambi and Thumper hench girls, who like uh, yeah. Uh, that and the fact that like you know fifty cops are so scared of the mob that they'll they'll all clear out to go. I thought that was a little over the top. It's uh it's Gotham. It didn't surprise me. I know it's Gotham. I, I said that initially, but at, at the same time, I, I was like, that's a little bit like over the top like you know uh there are 50 cops here you'll you know well please leave and they're also scared because you know if please like could they couldn't they like like they all like, just dogpile on him and like you know i don't know they don't want to get on the mob's bad side i know but like i get frustrated really easily when like like this show shows the mob has so much power that like there's there's like 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 non-existent resistance to that point to me that like like it it goes against like you know kind of being frustrating to see the good guys win to be like you know like unrealistic i mean has has there ever been a city in the entire country that that bad off besides the roaring 20s so i mean but this is that's the personal hang up i have but uh speaking of which i know that there's a question about this show like in what time period it's in we saw that like barbara has a smartphone so there's that because it was like very vibrating yeah, uh, flip phone. And um, Mr. Zaz's ringtone is Funky Town. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and some would have told me that um, before the show came out that we were going to see, like, Barbara Keen and Mr. Zaz have muffins together. I would have been shocked. Although they technically don't have muffins together because as um, Falcon, uh, Falcon's weapon, Fish's weapon points out, you know, they're not for him. Barbara can have some if she she can have some if she wants. <laughs> it was a, it was a fun scene. Me like you. Yeah. So was anyone else? I I know I know Don's answer, and I think I know Stella's answer. Truth be told, but I have to put this out there. Was anyone else bothered by the fact that Jim let Harvey have sex with that hooker on Barbara's bed? They were in an end of the world scenario, so I don't think he really cared. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, like, like I don't think I honestly don't think that Jim thought that he was getting out, getting out of this alive for long. So he thought, and neither was Harvey. What does it matter? Yeah, I just I have no problem with Harvey doing because that that seems to be in character. But like, <laughs> that was disgusting. I'm just imagining like Barbara Keen, you know, over at Falcone Manor, like you know, eating muffins, thinking, well, at least I know that Jim's treating my apartment right and not letting anything inappropriate happen on my bed at the exact moment that you know. Harvey Bullock is... I think that's uh, a Betty Brant projection. What do you mean? That's something Betty Brant would think, not Barbara Keene. Uh, I, I, I know. I'm, I'm exaggerating. I don't think that, like, you know, the state of her bed was on her mind as she was eating muffins with Mr. Zaz and <laughs> the Falcone family. How but... fast do you think that she turned around and got captured? <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but I just could not get into liking Barbara in this, in this episode. I don't really like... Uh, the way they're doing Montoya, I don't I don't like how they're doing Essen. Uh, the only female character in the show that I, that I like is Fish Mooney, and I don't care for her scenes more so than like the way Jada Pinkett Smith just like just chews the, the scenery and spits it out <laughs> each time. <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure like what that says about me or what it says about the writing in this episode in this show generally. Um, so maybe I'm looking forward to how they're going to do uh, Leslie Tompkins. Hope so. Um, I liked Renee Ma- in this episode, and I like how when she apologizes, you know, to Jim, he he is reluctant to accept the apology. Like he accepts it because you know the situation is bigger than the both of them. But I like how he, you know, he's not all like, oh well, it's nothing. Like you know, he's still a little mad at her, and I can't blame him because this woman was harassing him and like showing up at you know 
his fiance's house all the time, causing problems in their relationship. But uh, I like Renee. I like. I think it is vindicating that there was that moment where Renee said, "I was wrong," and like Don's been, you know, preaching for the last, you know, few weeks. Like, you know, she said, "My my feelings for Barbara probably got in the way." <laughs> Somewhat. And then that moment's interrupted by Alfred, you know, shoving Christmas Allen against the car. I love that. That was so cool. I, uh, I love that idea that, like, unless you're, you know, like, like nine year old Selena Kyle, like, like uh, Alfred knows exactly who's on the premises. <laughs> Selena Kyle, like, snuck in last week, but Christmas Allen. Selena Kyle basically walked in through the front door eating a, a, a noisy bag of chips, but, like, if you're, like, a cop, like, did he have a knife? Did he have, like, a letter opener in his hand when uh, he grabbed Allen? I I I don't think I saw one, but I, maybe I, I really I really enjoy uh, the, the nice character moments like that. That you know that gives you more of, of an idea of who these characters are without you know saying ah of course I was in the military in Britain or something like that. I don't know what the hell kind of accent that was. I think it that. needed. I think the um, it was nice that it happened. I mean, there they were sitting in the car, and it was very awkward and. I certainly made the awkward sea turtle sign as I was watching the show. And, you know, it it was certainly justified. And, you know, he knew that she was the one feeding Babs information. So I'm glad that she came clean. And, of course, she was slightly in the wrong and cobble pot. So it would have been a terrible uh, and damning character moment had she not apologized. And then, yeah, I love the fact that, like, just all of a sudden... <laughs> Alan gets slammed up against the car door with everything. So it was it was both a touching and a humorous moment. I, I, I had feels when um when when uh Bruce gave Gordon a hug. It was a, I think it was a little over the top, but I, I like I can can you like that character and I like that scene. I like it when he's like, Stop talking to me like I'm a child and he says Gordon says, You are a child. <laughs> were you twelve, thirteen? How old are you this episode? <laughs> that's why Batman always disappears before Gordon's done talking in the future. It's like revenge for all the times he was, you know, condescended to as a child. <laughs> I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the bare minimum of, com- of communication. <laughs> what a jerk. Uh, so I feel like we had a whole, like, season's worth of plot lines. Maybe not wrap up, but, like, almost come to a close. Like, most of the major questions that we've been asking since the pilot, like, you know, what will happen when Fish finds out about um, Penguin being alive? You know, what will happen when Bullock finds out? It, basically, a bunch of variations of the questions, you know, like what happens when Jim Gordon's, you know, secrets, you know, that Pandora's box opens. And now it's opened and, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, where do we go from here? And there's plenty of places to go from here, but we're only 17 episodes into the season. It's not even halfway done. Seven episodes. Seven epi- yeah, we're only seven episodes into the season. It's not even halfway done yet, and uh, this wasn't even like the mid-season break. So it does beg the question: like, you know, where can they go from here? Well, I'm glad that they, they did this because, like, they realistically could not keep these sort of like, is so and so going to find out this and that? Like, like for long because that's just tedious for a season long. Uh, I, I'm sure Smallville did that. I don't really remember. I think they did. But um, it it shows a, a maturation of storytelling. I think when you, when you handle that at a certain point, and the, the 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 fact that they did that like half a dozen episodes in is good because we can kind of see things that we might want to see quicker. Uh, we don't need to drag out this 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 series or the storyline 
Uh, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I want this series to end in, like, two seasons, but, like, we don't need to drag things out just because we have an idea of how long it could possibly go. So I'm glad that, like, things are coming to their natural conclusion when they should, seemingly. Like, like do you think that, like, this was the right time to do this, or do you think you would have liked it to have this whole Penguin plot to be wrapped up um, earlier than it was? Like, people to find out that he was alive earlier than this, or... I, I, I don't like things being dragged out, you know, truth be so. Um, and without knowing where they're going to go for the rest of the season, I can't, you know, judge, oh, they did this too soon or too early. Like, I have to see how the whole thing plays out. Um, but it does it does make me wonder where we're going from here. But, no, I'm glad that they pulled the trigger when they did because it's uh, it was certainly exciting. And you're used to these long-running arcs on shows like Lost or, you know, something where – It'll take, like, three seasons for, like, you know, an event to actually finally happen after, you know, like, a bunch of talking heads or build-up or, you know, or like... Dragon you know, Ball Z when no one fights for, like, 20 episodes. Right, or, like, on Smallville where they'll say, like, you know, oh, Zod is coming or Davis Bloom is Doomsday. But you know that because, like, you're only, like, an episode into the season that, like, nothing's going to happen with it until, like, you know, spring or something. Oh, boy. No, yeah, I think that was good. And, like, I, th- I think that, like, the fact that they not only closed certain storylines but opened up new possibilities with the revelations of the, of the Penguin and Falcone really made this, like, a show to watch now. Like, certainly. Like, it's not just because, you know, it's a Batman show and we're interested because it's Batman characters, but now it's like, what the heck is going to happen this time? Well, I just like that, you know, Jim realizes he's going to die. And one of the things that. I mean, perhaps the most important thing that he realizes he needs to do is is talk to Bruce. And I think that just goes to show his character and how honorable a man he is because he made this promise and he realizes he won't be able to, to uphold it, but he's passing it on to somebody else. And to see that and that interaction and, and even with uh, the cold butler, you know, saying, can we do anything to help? And, and then that, that hug there. Um, I, I thought it was just a, a very nice moment. I felt really bad for him when he said that promise that I made to you, I'm probably not going to be able to keep it. Cause usually when Jim promises something, he does it with like the m- utmost like certainty, like, you know, he knows he's going to get this done and to come to Bruce and say, you know, I might fail you like that, that must've killed him. And I really felt for him in that part. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it furthers like, I don't know. It's good to see that these, these, these two characters. I know. I'm sure Jim thinks that he can trust Barbara, <laughs> but like these two characters, who we know that like are, what if are the Barbara's most working for Falcone. That's that. Uh, I, I don't know how the hell I would feel about that because like, like I, <laughs> I think that would feel Wait a minute. Now. I mean, she was at his house eating muffins. Ooh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm throwing that out there. As, I mean, because of canon, we know that, like, she probably won't be, but if they decide to deviate from canon, that would be... What is it? I like, I like seeing Jim and Bruce interact because, like, if nothing else, you know that there's a lot of honesty going t- towards a, a, a mutual goal. And, like, th- there's such a duplicitous nature with some of these characters and some of these plot lines that, like, it does get kind of tiring so whenever I see Bruce Wayne or, or Jim Gordon, I feel like like my, my brain can kind of rest because there's there's no double dealings, there's no like you know, two faced savagery. At least with the Penguin though, it is legitimately entertaining because of the characters and the actor. But like with most of the characters and the mobsters, it's, it's like always like you know, this that and the other thing. So I, I enjoy I enjoy I enjoyed the scene. It's funny that you mentioned the duplicitous nature of the gangsters because on the way home from school today, when the kid was watching it on the Kindle. 
he sighs and says, oh, like in one of the scenes with the gangsters talking, he says, how come none of these criminals ever say what they're thinking? <laughs> well, that's like, yeah, yeah, like, it, was, it, was, it was the scene where like Penguin like apologizes to Fish, like if I have in any way caused you disrespect, and that was never my intention. And I apologize. Well, seriously, because like, um, like the scene where like they're at the waterfront and like Maroni and Falcone are like like hugging and stuff. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. It's like, okay, you, like you've lost a son. We don't. I'm very, very sorry for his death, even though it was my men who murdered him. It's, it's like, um, you know, it's yeah, that kind of crap. Like, like that does kind of annoy me because it's, it's like, um. We don't want a war to happen, so we're talking openly about avoiding a war because we're friends, even though we're rivals. I mean, like, I don't, I don't watch a lot of mobster stuff, so I'm not sure like, exactly the, how this plays out. But it's weird to me how they can be like both, like very, oh, we have the utmost respect for you, my bitter rival, who I don't want to start a war with, and I'm telling you I want to avoid. Like that kind of stuff is like annoying to watch. I, I don't want the supervillains to show up just yet, but at the same time, I'm wondering if there's going to be anything else to kind of occupy the bad guys for a while or occupy the good guys. I mean, that was the penguins umbrella. Okay. Next week's episode is called the mask. And can Don read the episode description? Gordon and Bullock investigate a Gothamite who runs a deadly fight club for candidates applying to work at his financial firm. <laughs> uh, what a sentence. <laughs> Get the hell! I'm just, I'm just looking at that sentence again. Meanwhile, Bruce returns to school and gets a visit from a new friend in the all-new The Mask episode of Gotham, airing Monday, November 10th, 8 to 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Pacific on Fox. Okay, and I'm assuming that we've all seen that 30-second promo. Yeah, and I'm excited now because uh, uh, Bruce's training begins in, in in a logical way. Yeah. Um, a, a moment in that promo that I didn't like was the whole fish and penguin scene, probably because hopefully it comes out different in the finished episode, but like the way that it's paced in the trailer with the music and everything, it's as if like, Oh, isn't this shocking? You know, fish, you know, physically harms penguin. But to me, that was just like business as usual. And like, we just saw her, there was a similar moment in, um, this week's episode. So like, you know, it's, it, I wasn't it's, crazy about that either. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, we had a similar moment already and like they're playing it like, "Ooh, that's right. Isn't this shocking? You know, she's going to hurt him. Isn't this, you know, pushing your buttons?" Like it's you know, like here we go again. But to me it's I- I'm just I'm hoping that the scene will have more consequence than just the show spinning its wheels because my fear is that next week because we have this big, you know, character developing major story arc episode that next week it's just going to be, you know, back to you know, fish saying, you know, Falcone's a weak old man. Penguin saying that there's a war coming, and their conversation with each other will have no, no consequence. No, because I, I, we know at this point that like everything Penguin does has a totally different meaning and, and totally different result just because of who's where his allegiances lie. Because so, so Jada can stab the crap of how many holes she wants into him, but like it's not going to matter that much because she's just venting well, her frustration. That it's not going to matter if that like. Well, it matter it, it matters less in a different context to me, because like you know, I'm more interested in what Penguin's going to do in response to that rather than just kind of just put up with it. Because I think beforehand, we, we, we would see him put up with it because he wants to kind of work his way up the ranks. Now he's just like you know, like like how is what is he thinking truly when this kind of thing happens? Mm-hmm. How can he use that to the, his advantage? Looks like Barbara's getting into the drugs. Did they show that? Yeah, she's holding a vial of some sort. I thought that was um, 
uh, Fish's sidekick. Maybe, maybe she's getting into the drugs. Maybe they're doing drugs together. Muffin drugs. Hash or was it what, hash hash muffins? Yeah. Well, yeah, because th- that is something that we still don't kind of have resolved. Is like you know what the heck was up with Barbara King's you know drug past? Uh, I wish Ooh, it, it, I wish it, I wish it never introduced. That. Maybe, maybe that's how she um, knows Falcone. I'm gonna go along with this theory for a while that like there's so. That Barbara and Falcone know each other. Could be. Mm-hmm. I hope not. All right, so be sure to tune in for The Mask. So this has been the Gotham Chronicle podcast. We'll see you all next week. This is Josh. This is Don. This is Stella. Sayonara. Are you on your phone? Yes. It really, it really sounds like you're on your laptop. But I mean, it sounds good. It sounds great, but like it's uh, canny. I'm one time. It's like a commercial. I tried to use Skype on a phone and like just like laughed at how bad it was. <laughs> well, that's he's he's not your friend. <laughs> if you say so, Bertoni, I know you're my. Friend. So I am. Yes. The penguin, right? Because the penguin is, of course, he's related to a golden goose. So I think there is some sort of like foul, <laughs> foul humor <laughs> there. But uh, wait, it happened at sea. Sea for Catwoman. I don't get it. Um, so <laughs> Batman sixty six. Okay. Um, uh, now I don't even know where I was going. You were talking about foul. Yes. Yeah, so-